Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. On Exploring Missions, we're trying to awaken you to the possibility that God may have something surprising in your future that you could be involved in. And I guarantee you it would be adventurous. It is a great adventure to follow Christ. This is Bert Harper with my co-host, Nathan Harper. Nathan, good to be with you again. Awesome. And today we're privileged to have a, a friend of mine as our, as our guest, someone that I admire and thank God for every day uh, that I work because we work here together. And so it's, we, we've prayed in each other's offices many times, Nathan, and about events and about issues. And uh, he's, he's, he's a prayer partner. And that's Pastor Joseph Parker. Pastor Joseph, welcome, brother. Good to be with you all today. And uh, I I just want the world to know I love Pastor Joseph and his wife, Bertie. Uh, They have blessed mine and Jan's life beyond measure, and I thank God for them. But I thank God for your witness and your testimony of God's grace and God's sufficiency uh, in a life. And it's in everybody's life, isn't it? Amen, it is. And the reason I say that in everybody's life, I thought I was a a fanatic concerning uh, the life of the unborn. I still consider myself a fanatic in that way. Nathan, I'd preach it, and I, I didn't let every opportunity go by without sharing that. And then I met Pastor Joseph, and I decided I needed to step it up a notch. (laughs) Joseph, I love you for that. But one of the ministries you have is toward the life and trying to save and let people know the importance, uh, the life of the unborn. It's uh, That's life. It's only time and location that's different, isn't it? That's right. It's so true. And, you know, it's uh, my privilege to, along with hosting, the broadcast on the Urban Family Network, the Hour of Intercession, I also have the privilege of doing pro-life outreach here at the American Family Association and consider it a great privilege to be able to do that as well. So. Well, we I consider it a privilege. The Hour of Intercession is on the Urban Family Network uh, for a central time. It comes on at 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock. I've been a guest on that and just enjoy it so much and appreciate it. And uh, the Hour of Intercession is really important. We were talking to the director, Will Addison, about it, and he was talking about it's kind of strategically located in all of that to let them know how, how important it is, the you know, how powerful prayer is. And uh, so I, I thank God for that. Well, you know, I, one thing I just mentioned is I'm grateful to get a chance to do that, to host that broadcast. And, you know, uh, I think probably I benefit from it more than anybody else. <laughs> Because you can learn something about prayer from everybody, from the children to the adults. And the beauty is that it's like every day my definition and understanding of prayer is expanded as I listen to other people as they share their journey. But also, it's so important for us to understand that prayer is critical in the kingdom of God to everything and everybody 
you know, it's our walk, our our conversation, our ongoing conversation with God. So, I, amongst other things, I think of it as an ongoing class on prayer for me and everybody else that's on the program and everybody that hears it as well. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, Nathan, you know, being my son growing up, we tried to time time find time to pray. Having three sons and them involved in church and activities, a lot of times it was prayer on the go, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, that's one thing I've learned. Someone taught me a few years ago is when you when you wake up in the morning, you voice your f- first prayer of the day. Don't say amen. Don't, don't hang up the line. Just keep it open <laughs> all day long. And as you go, you're praying continually this conversation with the Lord until your head hits the pillow that, that night. Then say amen, and then you can— yeah, that is so true. And those of us that <clears throat> have that kind of relationship with the Lord, mm-hmm. pray without ceasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's it, a command, pray without is. ceasing. It is not an option, is it? It's a command. <laughs> it is that, and you're just seeking the Lord. And and Pastor Joseph, you have demonstrated that. Uh, when we have devotion here, we have it every morning. Uh, a lot of times, and I'm guilty of it too, uh, we'll get prayer requests, and I'll say, Pastor Joseph, would you pray for these? Because I know he has his notebook up there writing down everybody's prayer request. And, mm-hmm. and so I appreciate the reality of not just teaching it, but doing it. We've heard prayers the most taught, taught about uh, ministry and the least yeah. participated in. Mm-hmm. I, I want to talk about one more thing, and that's what we call midweek prayer services. They used to be called prayer meetings. Mm-hmm. We've made them more into Bible studies and prayer request times and really praying to mm-hmm. the Lord. And uh, I I really feel like you should spend as much time praying as you should opening the Word mm-hmm. uh, on Wednesday nights. Uh, one of the greatest places that I've ever been to church is Brooklyn Tabernacle up in, in New York City. Mm-hmm. And they have their prayer meetings on Tuesday night, and it's well attended. And mm-hmm. they cry out to the Lord. It's vital today, isn't it? It really is. It really is. And, you know, I would just throw this out, too. You know, last week, actually for the first time oh, since I've been serving St. James Church in Leland, we had a Leland, week it's Leland, Mississippi. Leland, Mississippi. We had a five-night prayer meeting by phone. Hmm. Had really good participation. I was encouraged. And the members got pumped about it and really enjoyed it, got into <laughs> it. So we decided to extend it this week, too. Amen. So, um, I don't know how long, but... But I'm encouraged to see how it, it seems like it set them on fire in a good way. And so, isn't, isn't Jeremiah 3311 known as God's telephone number? Call into me and I'll answer right. you and show you great and wonderful things. Mm-hmm. So it, it, doing it by phone. The other area that you're ministering in, and we really wanted to talk about it a lot because we want people to hear about it and the possibility of them being in touch with you about conducting this, and it's the Festival of Life. And uh, you and, and Bertie, get, you go, and uh, most of the time you let me know where you're going and spend time praying for you while you're there. Tell us a little bit about the history of Festival Life, what's, what, what it's about, and just, just go ahead and tell us about the Festival of Life. It's, it's uh, you know, the birth of it, and I think that's appropriate to call it the birth of Festival of Life when we're talking about, you know, life itself. I think so. I, I would say that um, uh, we had the privilege of doing the first one, I think, 2009. Actually, when we were still in Tennessee. Uh, we uh, we lived for a number of years in the state of Tennessee and pastored there as well. And coming to AFA, 
uh, we're privileged with the opportunity to continue to carry it out. And so we've been doing at least seven years now, and uh, we've done a little over 50 of them uh, over the last several years. But basically, the Festival for Life, it's a multimedia uh, event that uses movie clips, music videos, and movie trailers to help share a biblical message about the need for the church to do two things. One is to aggressively come alongside pregnancy clinics and support and become a part of that. And secondly, to aggressively become involved with just simply standing for life in general. And, you know, on the one hand, you know, people would think of people that have a passion for life as being kind of, well, to use our word radical, or, but in reality, that really should be the norm because we live in a society that thinks it's okay to slaughter babies. And so much so that uh, one of the main organizations that is involved heavily in, in the destruction of babies, Planned Parenthood, the last figure I heard was the U.S. government gives them between $1 and $2 million every single day of our taxpayer money to help do what they do, kill babies. And so our society, to a great extent, through our actions, have said it's okay. And But according to the Word of God, it's clearly not okay. And so we need to take our cues from the Word of God and not from the world. Amen. It's Crisis Pregnancy Center, and the neatest thing I found, not only are they looking at the life of the unborn baby, they're looking at that life of that mother, both That's spiritually right. and physically as well. That's I right. mean, they're not there to— in place of like Planned Parenthood that makes money, mm-hmm. these crisis pregnancy centers, they're there because people love mm-hmm. babies, mm-hmm. the unborn and unborn, and love the women who are coming there. That's uh, right. And they give their money. Those clinics are free. All their services are free. They don't charge a dime. They raise their own money, and they don't get any. Typically, they don't get any government money at all, but they are supported by churches and individuals. But they really are, what I would say, an extension of the church. or They are the church, an extension of the church as well. And so that's why I think churches should not only support them. I think it would be good if churches put them in their budget and will send volunteers and just pray for them on a regular basis because they're doing the work of Jesus Christ, loving these women and their babies, helping them at a crisis, in a crisis time in their lives, and just really embracing them during their time of need. So if if the church is or Sunday school class or individual looking for a mission mm-hmm. that is effective in bringing souls into the kingdom and also making a difference in their life physically, emotionally, every way, mm-hmm. there's no better money spent than a crisis pregnancy center. I, I believe that, now, Joseph. Mm-hmm. I've seen it uphand. You were on the board of our local one here. I, I, was, I was always just involved in it just as a pastor. Mm-hmm. And uh, they really do make a difference in, in societies, but most of them go un, underfunded. Often, and, you know, it's sad how many times you have people even in the church and even church leaders don't even know what a pregnancy clinic is, much less don't know what they do. But the fact is, along with loving and embracing women during a difficult time in their life, like you just alluded to, they, a lot of evangelism and discipleship and pastoral ministry happens at these place, places, exceptionally so, because I think of a precious lady by the name of Miss Nancy Pennington has been the director of a clinic in Clarksdale, Mississippi, for more than 20 years, and she said she's seen at least 500 people get saved through their clinic. That's a whole lot more than a lot of churches can say. <laughs> so, I guarantee you, a bunch of churches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the evangelism and discipleship ministry, the pastoral ministry, the, the outreach ministry, 
wonderful work goes on in these places. And so churches are wise to come alongside and just really get involved with helping them do what they do. And I have a personal friend, my wife and I, that she teaches on how to care for the baby as as, as the baby is born mm-hmm. because uh, the crisis pregnancy centers are not just interested in that baby being born. They're mm-hmm. interested in that baby growing and That's being right. healthy in every way, uh, socially, materially, uh, physically, uh, spiritually. Mm-hmm. And, and so when we say a center, it's not just one that, okay, you're born, now you're out of here. Mm-hmm. No, most of them have ministries that reach beyond that birth, don't they? Very much so. Many times they'll walk with them before, you know, coming up to the time of birth, at the time when the baby's born, and then for months afterwards, they will help them. They'll, like, provide baby clothes for them, diapers and things like that. Different centers have, you know, do different things. Right. But by and large, they generally these are things that they do. And the need is so great because so oftentimes, one, for one reason or another, in some cases, the family's not supporting. Uh, the father's nowhere in the picture. Uh, sometimes they have no church affiliation per se. And so the Crisis Pregnancy Clinic is a wonderful ministry to reach them at the time of need, to help them, and to show them the face in the hands of Jesus through their words and their actions as well. So when we're talking about missions, we're talking about one uh, that Jesus came. He had a healing ministry. He certainly did. He had a teaching ministry, a preaching ministry, and most of all, a saving ministry. Mm-hmm. When we look at Crisis Pregnancy Centers, and I, I look at what Jesus told us to do and mm-hmm. what they're doing, they line up missionally with what God tells the church to do, don't they? Beautifully. They really do. And uh, and what what is so many can easily miss is, again, often you'll have these clinic directors, they may tell you up front, our goal is to save souls. They may just say up front, our goal is to help people get saved. But at the same time, you see through their actions. And here's where what is really beautiful, too. Anytime you get a chance to talk to the uh, directors of these centers, you find they're, they're unique people, you know, not always women, but most of the time women, but they have a big heart for what they do. They love these women. They have a heart for them. Sometimes they're, when they're talking about their work, they start to cry and tear up because it's in their heart. The love of Jesus in them is to love and embrace these women. They want them to be saved, but they also want them to know that the love of Jesus is about loving them and helping them during this difficult time in their life. And so it's it's beautiful to see them. And it's really fun for people to go and volunteer because you see Jesus at work in some wonderful ways in these places. When you compare that with Planned Parenthood centers or other abortion centers, they do the abortion, and most of the time they turn the girl loose. Mm -hmm. Many of them have had physical issues and even death. I mean, they are recorded Mm-hmm. Many physical issues. What we see in the crisis pregnancy center is the ongoing. That tells you something about who cares for women and That's their right. and their rights. Mm-hmm. How about their physical rights to be healthy, both physically, emotionally? I mean, that is uh, they. Many of the crisis pregnancy center also helps those that have abortions and offering healing ministries and ongoing studies to help them as well. Mm-hmm. They, to minister the forgiveness of Christ, because sooner or later, they're going to recognize that they took the life of their own child. And 
that hurts mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and many times physically as well. And you sadly, you have people that have nightmares about it, some that deal with depression, every t- maybe around the time the baby would have been born or the time of the abortion every year. Uh, sometimes some people hear babies in the night, all sorts of tragic results of having gone down the road of abortion. And so, and is is women and is men as well, because many times you have situations where the woman either was on the fence or she really didn't want to do it, but she had a boyfriend or husband that basically told her, you're going to get an abortion. I'm reminded of a, a, a true situation where my wife, Bertie, she met a young lady in a phone center who'd had an abortion. And her story was she had basically, uh, this young lady apparently was, I think she was happy. She was expecting a baby and she told her boyfriend. And his reaction was he didn't say a word to her. He just took her and threw her against the wall and said, you're going to get an abortion. And she did what he said. Well, that doesn't sound like a woman's choice to me. Mm-hmm. But sadly, the, the propaganda of the world is to say, well, it's about a woman's choice when in reality, many times, they want so badly to keep abortion going that they really don't care about the woman's choice. They want the freedom to abort babies, Planned Parenthood and other organiza- organizations as well. So the fact is, you, you have this kind of thing going on. And also, men really are the engines behind lots and lots of abortions in our culture. Yet many times they can hide their hand because of the way society tries to see and cover for abortion. So, again, that really doesn't look like a woman's choice at all in many of these instances. But, again, that's not really their goal. Their goal is to keep abortion going, sadly. I want to talk about the sonogram in crisis pregnancy centers that has them Mm -hmm. and uh, the percentage of numbers of the people that come in and the and the and the mother of the baby sees that sonogram, mm-hmm. the numbers of them deciding to keep that child mm-hmm. is amazing. It's it's a phenomenal. It is. You know, I think they say that, like, for example, when pregnancy clinics, uh, they're working with a woman who basically she's to some extent or largely abortion minded. You know, of course, they'll their their goal, of course, they're they're always their goal is always to hopefully encourage the woman to keep her baby. But. Sometimes you have women that, women that, for whatever reason, are determined, no, I'm going to get an abortion. And you might ask yourself the question, well, why does she come by the pregnancy clinic then? Well, it's the grace of God, actually, I think, most of the time. But they say that 8 out of 10 women who even who are abortion-minded, if they see a sonogram and see their baby, they will change their minds. So the sonogram machine is a wonderful tool in the hands of the Holy Spirit to help turn people's hearts toward that baby. This is one time when science and technology prove that the Bible was right, as it does most. If, if, you, if you really have true science mm-hmm. and true research technology, mm-hmm. you, people will find out the Bible was right all along. That's right. And That's right. life is here, and the sonogram God has used to bring— it's hard for them to argue it's not life anymore in a baby, isn't it? It's is hard. So true. It's it's ridiculous for them to even make that argument. Mm-hmm. And so, sonograms got into many of them. The life of a sonogram, I don't know the statistics, but the life of a sonogram is so long. Mm-hmm. And then that sonogram and even better machinery possibly will have to be replaced. Mm-hmm. So the ongoing expense of a crisis pregnancy center is real. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's got to be funded, and that's the reason you and I both talk about churches putting the local 
I don't care how small your church is or how big your church is, mm-hmm. putting that crisis pregnancy center in your budget and even have someone from that crisis pregnancy center come mm-hmm. and speak to some group in your church, if not the whole group, it really does make an impact and it really blesses the church. And again, it's a, it should be a part of the mission of that New Testament church, shouldn't it? It really should, and I think that one of the needs is for us to really much more aggressively try to help the church to see that because, sadly, we live in a society and a culture where, for many people, because they listen to so much of what the society says through media and through television, they believe the lies that come across. And so for many churches, that's not their issue. That's not their concern. They think, well, that's not my political perspective. But sadly, our goal should be looking at what the Word of God says. And, of course, the Bible says to choose life. And so that that helps us to better understand. God always wants us to support life 100% of the time. There's never a right time to do an abortion under any circumstances. And it's important for us to know that. And so we sh- churches should, again, either put them in their budget or have fundraising events or do some things to, again, aggressively support and work with. We should pray daily for the work they do. And, uh, you know, Brother Bert, I think of this, too. Even small children in our society sadly know what abortion is. And it's because sometimes they're aware that a brother or a sister or a cousin or somebody they know isn't here or would have known isn't here because of abortion. I'm reminded of an instance where a wife, Bertie, was doing a children's message. She wasn't talking about abortion. She was asking the children what are you thankful for? And some of the children did said some of the normal things. I'm thankful for my mom, for my home, my family. But two little boys, their statements were, I'm thankful my mama didn't abort me. Well, that lets us know, number one, they knew what abortion was. And it appears they knew that, again, maybe a sibling or a relative or somebody isn't here because their mama did abort them. And they had this, the understanding to say, I'm thankful that my mama didn't abort me. Wow. But that's the society we live in today where children know that adults keep some children and they discard some of them through abortion. Mm -hmm. Mm. The festival of life, uh, a pastor's hearing, maybe a lay person's hearing, and they say, man, we need something like that in our church. How do they go about getting a hold of you in order to talk to you about the festival of life? Well, they can just simply get in touch with us. The phone number here, my phone number is one six six two eight four four five zero three six extension 381, and they can get in touch with us that way, or my email is jparker at afa.net, and we'd be glad to bring the event there. We've Again, we've done a good many of them in Mississippi, Tennessee, uh, uh, Alabama, and we've been in some other states as well, but we can go wherever the Lord opens the door. But it's a good, it's a high-impact event to encourage the church in a biblical way, and but a, 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 a palatable way of understanding the need for us to stand for life and against abortion. And so typically churches will give us a Wednesday night Bible study. That's what most do. Sometimes they have it on another evening or another day, but that's most churches will give us a Wednesday night Bible study time frame to do it. And our Who needs to minutes, come? Do the youth need to come to it? Everybody should come. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's good. It's it's an event that's family friendly. So we don't use graphic images there. Right. So it's not something we say, well, keep the children at. No, we really want children to come. Children, young children, as well as mi- teenagers, 
because it's a good impact event. And again, the use of the media is just, it's a helpful tool to help share the message. But it's really good for adults and children to come to, to better understand this issue. And again, as I alluded to, children and young people know about the reality of abortion as well. So they too need to be educated from a biblical perspective on the need for us to aggressively stand for life. They're getting information from other sources. The same thing about same-sex marriage. Mm. Why the church should bring that up is because the young people, even the children, are getting information that promotes ungodliness. Abortion is ungodly. Let's just put it, uh, same-sex marriage is ungodly. It's Mm -hmm. unbiblical. And so if we don't do it from a pulpit and others, where are they going to hear the correct? Hopefully mom and dad will do that. But right. the mom and dad need the support of the local church. So we're encouraging mm-hmm. pastors, mm-hmm. you, you don't, don't preach on it every Sunday, but when you come across the Word of God, you don't avoid life, do you? you? You come across that. You were, you were <laughs> conceived. Jeremiah, man, he isn't, I bet he's glad he knows he was <laughs> conceived in his mother's womb. Mm-hmm. Those are powerful passages, aren't they, Joseph? There are. And, you know, I think of in particular, like in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses uh, 19 and 20 tell us, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give to to give them. And you know, time and time again, when you read those passages, you see where God is looking out for the people and their posterity, Amen. the people and our children, our grandchildren. And, of course, when people have abortions, you're cutting off your children. You're cutting off your own posterity. And so it's in everybody's best interest, God's and all of ours as well, to hear what he says and choose life. Amen. Well, I want you to lead us in prayer, if you would. Uh, we got a couple of minutes left. And okay. uh, pray as God leads you. Okay. For for churches to be on mission for God uh, through the crisis pregnancy centers. Would you do that? Okay. Father, thank you, Lord, for your church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ all over the world. And thank you for every local church that's represented by each listener that's listening at this moment. Father, flood all these churches with your life, your grace, and your understanding. Open our minds and our hearts to understand, Lord, that you've called us all to choose life and to stand for life. And, Lord, help every listener to recognize we all have a part to help stand for life and help be witnesses that point people to Jesus Christ and point them to the need for us to stand for life in all situations. Lord, help us to recognize, Lord, that we're to hear your word and obey it and help us as a church to aggressively do just that. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You know, when we think about what God has for the church and the churches are looking, okay, where can we best spend our mission dollars. Mm-hmm. Don't forget the crisis pregnancy centers in your neighborhood. Amen, amen. Pastor Joseph, thank you for being with us today on Exploring Missions. And remember, those of you that are listening on the Urban Network, you're on Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock Central Time. Amen. It's a great hour, a great hour where you learn about prayer, prayers involved, and it will bless you tremendously. So I hope you'll do that. And if you want the festival of life, 
Be sure and contact us here at the American Family Association, American Family Radio, and uh, you can go to jparker at afa.net and get a hold of Joseph and talk to him about when he could come to your church. Thank you for listening, Exploring Missions.